So I'm looking at this passage this week, and it reminded me of a couple different stories in the New Testament. You're probably familiar with these stories. One of them was the story where this, this young man ran up to Jesus when Jesus was on his way to some, you know, one place or another. He ran up to Jesus. He knelt before me. He had a question for me. He's like, hey, teacher, what do I need to do in order to inherit eternal life? What, what do I need to do in order to go to heaven? That's the question. And if you know that story at all, you know that Jesus' answer is kind of shocking because it's, if you know the gospel, you know that the, the answer he gives is not gospel. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, you ask the wrong question, you get the wrong answer because the, it's not what do you need to do in order to earn your way to heaven. You can't do anything. So Jesus looks at him and says, you know the commandments, keep the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't lie, honor your parents. Like, keep the commandments. And then the story is even more shocking because the guy looks back at him and is like, oh, I've kept all the commandments. Got them. Fine. Done that. I've kept them. And then it says Jesus looked at him, loved him. It's really key in the story. And he said, there's one thing that you're missing. Go sell everything that you have, everything that you own. Take the money and give it all to the poor. And then come and follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. The story says that the guy walked away sorrowful. He walked away sad because he had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of stuff and he couldn't give it up in order to follow Jesus. That's the That's what he needed to do. He couldn't do it. He walks away from Jesus sad. On the other side of the spectrum, there's another story that Jesus tells as a parable that he's teaching one day, and he uses as an illustrative point about the kingdom. And he says there's this guy, the kingdom of heaven is like this guy who's walking through this field or working in a field, and he stumbled across a hidden treasure. It had been hidden for a while, and he realizes as he opens the treasure, he realizes it's a treasure of incredible value, like nothing he's ever seen before. And so in his joy, he goes and he sells everything he owns. He sells all of it so that he can buy the field and then have that treasure. Like he knows what kind of treasure that is, so he sells everything else. And it says it in his joy, he makes that decision. Two different spectrums. The the rich young man who went went away sad because he wasn't willing to part with his possessions and the other guy who found joy in giving everything he he had away and selling it all so he could have the ultimate treasure. And Jesus tells stories like that or those things happen in the New Testament. Those stories develop because the Bible's teaching us this one point that the treasure that we find in in God's kingdom is ultimate. Like it's greater than anything else. That it's it's worth any sacrifice. It's worth whatever we would give for it. That, That the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, that treasure is the ultimate treasure. Jesus is teaching that. But another thing that comes up when you think about those stories in this passage today in Matthew 6 is the idea that Jesus talked about money a lot. I mean, he did. And sometimes as a church, we don't feel comfortable talking about money. We're like, we don't want that reputation, right? We don't want to be the church that, man, every time you show up at Crosspoint, they're talking about money. No one wants anybody to say that about you. But Jesus, if you just look at what he taught, he talks about money and possessions all the time. In fact, some people have figured out that 15% of everything Jesus taught was about money and possessions. A lot of his parables were about money and possessions. Sometimes he was using that as an illustration of something else, but he talked about it all the time. And one of the, one of the reasons is because how we view money and how we spend money is a spiritual issue. It's a discipleship issue. Uh, we try so hard to separate that out. I got my life with Jesus and then I got my money. But it's a spiritual issue. It's always connected. Not just Jesus, but the whole Bible talks about money and talks about possessions all the time. It's always instructing us because it really is a discipleship issue. It's a, it's a spiritual issue. It's, it, it has a, a big bearing on how we're following Jesus. And so talking about it 
Jesus did it all the time. It's not a bad thing. It's not, it, it may not be the norm like Kai was saying around here, but it's not, a, it's not a bad thing to do. In fact, I think you could argue that because it's such an important discipleship spiritual issue that maybe we should talk about it more. Maybe we should make sure that we are always talking about it because the Bible says so much about it. Jesus says so much about that. But before you get worried about that, last night, um, my, my youngest daughter, Glory, she came up to me in the kitchen and she said, Dad, are you preaching tomorrow? And I said, yeah. And she said, what are you preaching about? And I said, I'm talking about Monday tomorrow. And she said, oh, man. I think, she, I think that was because of the second question, not the first question. I don't think she was saying that. Oh, you're preaching tomorrow? Oh, man. I think it was about the money part, but I'm not sure. But I like, Glory, listen to me. And I, I mean, Saturday night, I'm pretty teed up for this. And I'm like, Glory, Jesus talks about money all the time. I mean, 15, I'm, I'm throwing stats at her. 15% of everything Jesus said was about money. And she goes, Dad, you're not Jesus. And she is not wrong. And we're not, like, that's not the goal here. Jesus talked about it 15% of the time. So at Crosspoint, we're going to start talking about it 15% of the time. We're not. Like, that's not the plan. It's just let the scripture take us where it needs to go. But it's okay to talk about it because it's a needed thing. It's an important deal. It's a discipleship issue when we talk about it. And so we're going to talk about it. Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21, Jesus is talking about treasure. He's talking about what's ultimate. He's talking about our hearts. And he makes some statements here that kind of lead us to some principles that I think can guide us in this next season at Crosspoint and, and guys, it can guide us every single day. Here's the first principle that it seems like he's saying. Our treasure only lasts when we store it in heaven. Our treasure will only last if you store it in heaven. Look at verse 19 of Matthew 6 again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because the moth and the rust will destroy it. Thieves will break in and steal it. He says, instead, store up for yourself or lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. No moth, no rust, no thieves, nothing's going to happen to it. The only treasure, our treasure only lasts when we store it in heaven. That's the principle that Jesus is trying to help us understand. Don't misunderstand this. Jesus is not against us having treasures on earth. He's not. It is not wrong to have a nice car. It's not wrong to have nice things. It's not wrong to want to buy nice things for, for your loved ones, your kids, or anybody. Like, it's not wrong to have and enjoy nice things. Jesus doesn't say that at all. If you wonder, like, what the Bible teaches about that, look back at our last series where we walked through Ecclesiastes and how many time the, times the writer of Ecclesiastes said, hey, enjoy the gifts that God has given you. God has given you gifts and enjoy them. Make the most of them. Make the most of those opportunities. It's not wrong to have things and to have nice things. It's not. Jesus, he's not against you and me being treasure hunters. He's not against us being treasure seekers. He's not against us storing up treasure for ourselves. But here's what he's saying is stop storing it in the wrong place. Stop storing it in places where it's not going to last. Stop you can enjoy those things, but when they become ultimate things, then it's just frustrating when they all go away, when the, when the moth and the rust destroy. I mean, our treasures, as much as we value them, as much as we want to appreciate them, as much as we want to enjoy them, here's the reality. They don't last. If you haven't been to the dump lately, like go take a, a trip to the landfill, the dump, and see all the former treasures that are now just in a big pile out there. Our treasures don't last. And Jesus is saying, hey, you want treasure? That's great. Store it up in the right place. If you haven't ever read the book, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, please read that book. I'm, I highly encourage it. It's a really small book. 
You can read it in an afternoon. If you've read it and it's been a while, read it again. It's so good to remember the, the, the truth from that. He's kind of walking through this passage in that book. Here's one of the things that he says about this. Randy Alcorn in The Treasure Principle, he says this, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you, his, your treasure on earth is not going to last. You can enjoy it. You can appreciate it. It's not wrong to have it, but it won't last. But here's the deal. You can store up treasure in heaven that will last, that will always be there. Like nothing can happen to it. Now, what does that mean, right? Well, it means anything that you invest in the kingdom of God, anything that you invest into what he's doing, anything you join in what he's doing, like that is storing up for yourself treasure in heaven. Any, any resource, time, money, anything that you give and invest into the kingdom of heaven is going to be a treasure that lasts. It's going to be a treasure that nothing can take away from you. It's a reward that Jesus promises us when we're faithful to follow him that way, live for his purpose, live for his kingdom, live for his glory. There's a reward, a treasure that we're storing up for ourselves in heaven. It's, it's exactly what he's talking about. It's exactly what he means. In the context of this, this passage, in the wider context, he's in the Sermon on the Mount where he's walking through all these different things about what it means to be in this new kingdom that he's brought in and how it's going to mean a higher level of righteousness and a higher view of life and you're going to live by a certain standard, you're going to live different, all these things. He, he walks through all these different things in this in this sermon, and all those things, when we follow his commandments, when we live out according to his plan, we're not only are we laying a foundation that will last in this life, but we're storing up treasure in heaven. So he says, hey, store up treasure, go for it. That's awesome. Just stop storing it in the wrong place. You, you keep storing it. You, put, you make so much of a big deal about the things that are here and now, and they won't last, but you can send it on ahead. You can store it up by investing in his kingdom. That's what he seems to be talking about here. Second principle, our hearts are directly connected to our treasure. Our hearts are directly connected to our treasure. Look at verse 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's just a biblical truth that Jesus is giving us. Like, hey, find out what you're treasuring, what you're valuing, valuing, what you're pursuing, and turn around and your heart is right behind it. Your heart is connected to what you treasure and what you value. Open up the bank statements, open up the credit card, credit card statements, and, and you'll see where your heart is. You'll see what you value, see what you treasure, and your heart is in those things. Our hearts are always connected. They're following our treasure. What we're invested in the most, that's where our hearts are. And you go, I'm not sure what that means. Well, let me, let me just give you one example of it. You ever decide you want to buy a new car? And you think, man, I, I, I got to figure out what car I want. And you, you kind of go through the list and you think, what kind of car, truck, car, SUV, whatever it is. And then you decide, you know what I like? I like those new Ford Broncos. Those look really, really cool. And I got to, I mean, I want to have one of those. And you decide that that's the car that you want. And you're thinking, man, I don't even know anybody that has one. They're never, like, you don't ever see them. I'll be so unique with my Ford Bronco because it'll be so cool when I finally have this. You ever done that? And then the next day, everywhere you go, you see Ford Broncos? Like everywhere. I mean, in Rockwall alone, they have all the colors, right? Like it's everywhere that you go. You're seeing it everywhere. Why? Because, man, when you get obsessed about something, it's, it changes how you see the whole world. Like your heart is wrapped up in your treasure, and everything about how you see the world begins to change when you are pursuing something, when you're treasuring something, when you're valuing something like that. Now, here's a statement for you, and I want you to grab a hold of this. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. 
I'm going to say it again because I, I, I want you to hear it. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. And what the Bible teaches is that our hearts follow our money. Our hearts follow our treasure. Our hearts are connected to what we value and treasure. And how we spend our money, that's where our heart is. And so he will teach us these things. Why? Because it's a spiritual discipleship issue. That's our hearts are connected to our treasure. He doesn't need our money because it's all his. It's already all his. As you're growing in your relationship with Jesus and this giving journey we walked through last week, that's a, that's a huge part of it is you realizing somewhere in your journey with Jesus that everything you have is not really yours. It's all his. That he, he owns all of it. And what, he, what the Bible teaches is that he's entrusted to us money and possessions and time and other resources so that we can spend those things according to his purpose and his plan for his glory. He's entrusted. We're stewards. We're not owners. It's already all his. So he doesn't need it because he owns everything. But he wants our hearts, and our hearts are connected to our treasures. Our hearts are always connected to our treasures. And so he wants you to invest your time and your money and your resources in the things that matter and the things of the kingdom because he knows that that's where your heart will be connected. Guys, that's why the the number one goal for this advanced thing is not that we would build a facility. That's a part of it, huge part of it. But the number one goal that we've had and we've said many times is that every single one of us would participate in this. 100% of us, if you call this your church home, like 100% of us would get involved and do something. And one of the reasons is because your heart will be in this if you do. If you contribute, if you give, if you serve during this advancing, like your heart will be there. And we don't want you to miss out on that. We don't want anybody to miss out. We want to do this together. We want to see what God can do through us together. And if you, if you sit on the sidelines of this thing, you will miss out on what he's doing. And so when you invest in it, when you give your time, your resource, your money, all those things, when you do that, your heart gets connected to it, and all of a sudden you become like an investor. I care. I'm concerned. I want to see this happen. I want to see what God can do. I want to be a part of that. Randy Alcorn says it this way in the treasure principle. He says, God wants your heart. He isn't looking just for donors for his kingdom. Those who stand outside the cause and dispassionately consider acts of philanthropy. He doesn't need that. He's not looking for that. He's looking for disciples. It's a discipleship issue. Immersed in the causes they give to. He wants people so filled with a vision for eternity that they wouldn't dream of not investing their money, their time, and their prayers where they will matter the most. Do you see it? That's what God's after. He's after your heart. He wants you aligned with what he's doing. He wants you to give your life to the things that matter, the things that are ultimate. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your hearts. Our hearts are directly connected to what we treasure, those things that we value that way. That's that's where our hearts are. So here's a question for you. What does that mean? Like, what are you going to do with this? And and I mean that very practically. I'm going to do some real, real, real talk here. Uh, Kai walked you through a commitment card, and there were numbers and all those different kinds of things. We're doing that. We're putting that in front of you because, like, we're asking you to pray about that. We're asking you to consider that. We're asking you where where God's going to lead you to maybe increase what you're doing. We're hoping and praying on our side that God leads you to increase what you're doing so that we can see him do what we think he's leading us to do. So what does that mean for you? What are you going to give? We in a couple of weeks, we're going to ask everybody to make a commitment of some sort, 100%. We're hoping everybody makes some kind of commitment. But what does that mean for you? 
How much should you be giving? Let's just talk about the money. We'll talk about the time in a minute. Let's talk about money. How much should you be giving? Now, one thing, one way you can answer that is say, let's look at the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament say about that? The Old Testament had basically a law, the, the law of the tithe, a commandment. And they were supposed to give a tithe. The word tithe means a tenth. And so in the Old Testament, they were supposed to give 10% of everything they had to the kingdom, to the Lord's work, to the temple, to the, to the ministry. A tenth of everything. So the Old Testament practice and the Old Testament standard that God had given them was to live on 90% of what you have and give 10% away. And so maybe you could look to the Old Testament, but some of you would say, you know what? That's not in the New Testament. The Old Testament tithe, that doesn't ever make it over into the pages in the New Covenant and the New Testament. That, that, Paul doesn't say, hey, and don't forget the tithe. Make sure you're giving 10%. That's not in the New Testament. You go, I don't... I don't think we're living under the law. I think we're fine. I don't think I have to give 10%. And I would say, you're right. You're absolutely right. That, that, it's not an explicit New Testament commandment to give 10%. It's not there. But let me add this. In the New Testament, every picture that we have of giving is way beyond 10%. Every, every instance that you see in the New Testament, it's, here's the standard of the New Testament, sacrificial giving. That's what it is. It's between you and the Lord, what is he leading you to give, to deny yourself, to make a sacrifice and give. Like, that's the New Testament standard. It's not 10%. It's, it's beyond that in every situation. That's what we see. In fact, there's a couple times we see somebody sell a piece of land that they own, and they don't give 10% in the New Testament. They give all of the proceeds of that sale to the church, to the ministry. That's the standard sacrificial, giving it all, giving well beyond that. And when you put it in terms like that, right, the Old Testament seems like it's pretty good. <laughs> okay, I'll take the tithe. Because <laughs> that's the standard in the New Testament. What does that mean for you and for me? If you're not currently giving 10% of what you have, maybe that would be a good goal for you. I'm not going to pretend to know your situation and your circumstance and where you are. I'm just saying, if you're not giving 10%, then maybe that's where God wants to challenge you. Maybe he wants to lead you to that. Maybe that Old Testament is the baseline for what sacrificial living begins. Maybe for right now it's 5%. Maybe it's not going to be an overnight thing. Maybe it's going to be stair-stepping towards that. But that, that would be a good goal. If you're not giving 10% of what you have, then maybe you say, man, God's been so good to me. It's all his anyway. And he, he entrusts me. I'm going to set that as my goal. That'd be awesome. Maybe you're one of these that, man, I've always heard 10%. I've always given 10%. I was taught to give 10%. I grew up giving 10%. And I give 10%. I write that check first every month. That is so great. That, that, the, the amount of people in our church that give faithfully and consistently blows us away. Kai was talking about that. And maybe if that's you and you give that 10% all the time, maybe God's putting a challenge in front of you. Maybe he's leading you specifically to a sacrifice over these next two years that you've never even considered before. But he's, he wants to stretch you. He wants, he wants to demonstrate how much you can trust him. I, I don't know what the goal is for you. What our hope is that you are praying about that and you are considering that. And you are like, what is my part in this going to look like? And what is God leading me to do that's going to stretch my faith and increase my faith and show the world that I trust him? That's, that's such a big part of this. Our hearts are directly connected to our treasure. Now, here's the third principle. His kingdom is the ultimate treasure. 
His kingdom is ultimate. You won't find a greater treasure than that. The guy who sold everything to buy the treasure in the field that was representing the kingdom, when you find that treasure, you'll give everything away because it is ultimate. This passage in Matthew 6, he keeps talking. He talks about the eyes and he talks about serving two masters. Then he talks about worry and anxiety and don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. He goes, the, God feeds the birds and God clothes the flowers and he takes care of his people. So don't worry about that stuff. God's got it. And then in Matthew 6 verse 33, he comes to a conclusion for the whole section. And here's the conclusion. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The conclusion of everything Jesus is saying here about treasure, what's ultimate, giving, is to say, seek first the kingdom of God. When he says seek first, he's not necessarily just talking about do that first. What he's talking about is make that priority. That my life reflects that what's ultimate in my life is treasuring the kingdom. Seeking first the kingdom of God, investing in the kingdom. So here's some questions for every single one of us today. Does the way that you spend money, your view of money, how you value money, how you spend money, does it reflect that you're treasuring the kingdom above everything else? Does it reflect that you're seeking his kingdom first, living out what he has? Like the way that you spend money, does that reflect that? It's not just about money, guys. Promise it's not. Maybe your most valuable resource is your time. Does the way that you allocate and spend your time, does it reflect that his kingdom is ultimate, that you found the ultimate treasure in his kingdom and you want to give yourself to that before you give yourself to anything else because you know that that's ultimate so that you serve faithfully as a part of our church body? Guys, this whole not missing out, if you're not serving on a serving team in our church, and this is your church home, you're a member here, and you're not serving, like I'm talking about at least once a month, you're serving faithfully somewhere in our church, you're missing out on what God wants to do here. You're missing out on what he's leading us to do. You're missing out on a blessing that he wants to pour out on you. And, and right now, we have opportunities everywhere for you to serve. Our load-in, load-out team, they've been doing this, some of them, for almost eight years, and, and they got another one and a half to two years ahead of them, and we need fresh legs and backs and arms on the load-in, load-out team. We need that help with setting up and tearing down chairs. We need people to help with our coffee team. Our coffee team needs some more volunteers. Right now, there's an opportunity for all you wanna be baristas to jump onto the coffee team. Our children's ministry, we need people to come and serve faithfully and consistently partnering with parents to disciple, make disciples of the kids. Like we have opportunities for you everywhere. Don't miss out. And when you're serving like that, what you're doing is you're showing, man, I know that the treasure that God offers me is ultimate. The kingdom is ultimate. I'm seeking first his kingdom. How you spend your money, how you spend your time, it reflects that or it doesn't. Some of you are looking at me right now and you're going, okay, but I just, I don't have anything. I don't have any extra money for this. I, I, man, we're running so hot and I'm running so tight. My budget's so tight. I, I don't have anything. I can't give or I can't give anymore. And I get it. I understand it. I've been there. Sometimes I'm there like one day and the next day not, and then the next day back there. I get it. Some of you are like, I don't have any more time. I got, my schedule is so full with all the activities and all the things. I don't have any extra time for this. I get it. Let me share a quote with you by, from a book called Redeeming Money by Paul Tripp that kind of hit me in the face this week, and I felt like I should share it. <laughs> Consider this. We don't have a budget problem. We have a treasure problem. We don't have a financial problem. We have a kingship problem. 
We don't have a things problem. We have a heart problem. Yeah, it may be that you need some help with budgeting and you need some help with finance and you need some help with time management, maybe. And we can help you with those things. We absolutely can. We have Crown Financial. We can walk you through these things. But behind that, it's always a heart issue. Behind that, it's always a treasure, a value issue. Behind that's always a kingdom. What are you, which kingdom are you really investing in with the, the first part of you, the greatest part of you, the most intense effort? It's always behind that heart, kingdom, treasure issue. And what this is saying is that his kingdom is the ultimate treasure. There's nothing greater than his kingdom. Nothing, nothing you'll find to invest in that will be greater than that. No reward greater than that. And when you do, it's a, it's a reward, a treasure that lasts forever. Okay, so I need, I need a little help real fast. I need somebody in here with a $1 bill, like a $1 bill. Does anybody have a $1 bill? Um, I, got, I, got, I got a couple of you. Jimmy, why don't you come on up? Um, this is Emma Frank. I call her Jimmy. Come, can you come on up here? Um, she was one of our interns at IGO one time, and we called her Jimmy. But we didn't even talk about this beforehand, just so everybody's cool with it. Oh, somebody told you that? I don't know if you can trust them. So you got a $1. It's legal tender. Show me. Okay. Um, I got a treasure in this bag. And I'm asking you if you'd be willing to give me your dollar, and I will give you this treasure. You sure? You want to think about it? Want to pray about it? Want to call a friend? You want to, like, trade spots? Like, you're okay with this. You trust me enough, like this treasure in this bag, that you'll give me that dollar, and I'll give you whatever's in this bag? Okay. Uh, That's cool. Awesome. Let's trade. Very nice. I got the dollar. You got the bag? Yeah, open it. Let's see what's in it. See if there's anything good. <laughs> a Whataburger gift card? Did you see that? Like, oh. No, I didn't. Uh, what's on the back of it? What's it say? $20. $20 at Whataburger. That, now, that right there is what I call a treasure, y'all. That's a treasure. And you, like, you gave me a dollar, and you get $20 for Whataburger. That, that's, a, that's a pretty big net. Whatever it is, it was a good trade on your part, for sure. Uh, give it up for my friend Emma. She won. Now, listen, like Emma and I know each other, but we really didn't talk about that at all. But she does trust me. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I would trust him. And I get it. I, get, I didn't show her what was in the bag. You don't know what's in the bag. It, if you know me at all, you, you know, it could have been a trick, Right? I mean, I could have snuck an in-and-out card in there. It'd been a dirty trick, right? Like that'd have been so bad, It'd been so rude. But I didn't. I, I gave her a real. I gave her Waterburger card. That's a treasure, y'all. That's a that's a gift that keeps on giving. But in that moment, that even if she trusts me, right? There's a moment of going. Well, I don't. I don't know. I'm giving my dollar. I hope that I get something better than a bag in return. I hope I get. I hope it's worth it. And, it requires some, some faith on her part to, to trade me the dollar for the bag and hope that it's good. And I get it. Some of you are going, I don't know if giving more than what I'm doing is worth it. I don't know if serving, what, at, like, I don't know if it's worth it. And here's what the Bible says over and over and over. It's always worth it. It's always worth it. What? Whatever God does to bless you, how he blesses you when you give, when you sacrifice, will always be greater than what you sacrificed. I'm not talking about like 
you give this much money, he'll give you more money. It's not always even like that. I'm just saying the blessing of God on your life when you invest in his kingdom, even when you sacrifice to invest in his kingdom, the blessing you receive is always greater than what you sacrifice because you can't outgive him. You can't outgive God. And what he's asking every single one of us to do is go, I'm going to take that step of faith. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe that if I invest with my time and my resources the way that we're talking, it'll be worth it. And the reason it'll be worth it is because he's worth it. He's always, always worth it. Here's what 2 Corinthians 8 says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake and my sake, he became poor so that you and me, by his poverty, might become rich. Our God is a giving God. Our God is a generous God. Jesus gave everything for us. He gave his life for us. And what he asked for us in return is for us to live for him, to invest in his kingdom. And he promises it'll always be worth it. And we know it is because of what he did for us, because of who he is and what he's done. We know it'll be worth it. So pray about it, consider it, think about it. And let's move forward. Let's advance together knowing that he is worth it. And what he does to bless us is always greater than anything that we sacrifice. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for this truth that's in your word, and I want to thank you for the challenge that's in front of us, and I, I, just, I just pray that you'll lead us very clearly, very specifically, very much even individually, that you'll lead us to respond to who you are and what you've done for us by investing our time, our money, our resources, and the things that really matter, and, and the kingdom, and, and the ultimate treasure. God, I pray that you would lead us to do that. You would help us to trust you as we follow you in obedience. And you would do that for your glory and only your glory in this whole process. And so in the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.